servant to be himself did he Grants to us, to us, past measures to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly. Abundant life, Christ pleads for us. In dark temptations, and saves us from condemnation. Rescued at sea, hope in that story. Saved so that I might live eternally. For the past few Sunday mornings, we've been looking at salvation. Uh, from several different aspects, and and uh, in this this video, what I want us to do is, I want us to look at kind of an idea related to salvation. It's actually a question that somebody asks of Jesus. The question that is asked of Jesus is, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Now, probably that's kind of the way that we would phrase it. You know, a lot of times we ask the question. Uh, what must I do to be saved? You know, that's what we're thinking about. And that's what we are maybe even longing for people to ask us, you know, what do I need to do in order to be saved? Well, we looked at that earlier. And now what we're going to look at is this question of what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, and, and what that really means is, is kind of important. Now, we're going to be looking at this story that is oftentimes referred to as the rich young ruler and, and that encounter that Jesus has with him. But what I want us to see is I want us to make sure that we we dig deep enough in this story that we understand what really is going on. And I also want us to take a look at our own selves, you know, our own lives and think, OK, how are we like this individual that we might have these questions? And really, I mean, as far as we can tell, he's a pretty good guy. And I'd like to think that most of you listening to this video, at least, are pretty good people. But is that really what is required in order for us to have eternal life? Well, let's see how Jesus answers that question. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Now, we're going to take this in just kind of a few verses at a time, and I want us to make sure that we spend enough time on each section that we, that we get it. And maybe at the end of this video, you know, you might want to read it all uh, together just in one setting and be able to kind of get that whole story. But verses 17 through 20. Reread. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father, your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, let's let's pause right here before we kind of move forward anymore. OK, and let's go ahead and maybe kind of work our way backwards a little bit. That, that I guess might be the best way that makes sense of this. In verse 20, he actually says, I kept all these things since I was a boy. So this guy is a guy who I'm going to call him. He's a good guy. And I think that we typically think of ourselves as good people, you know, that, that we we do a pretty good job of following the rules. And that's actually kind of how Jesus starts answering the question. Now, 
Now, it, it's kind of interesting to start to ask, why does Jesus answer the question like this? And what is he really kind of getting at with all of this? And, and you know, maybe he's kind of purposely giving him the answers that, that people think uh, that, you know, that they want to hear. Like, if you ask the question, well, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't it great if you just have a, a list of things that you can just go through and just be like, yep, got them, check, I am good to go. Now, sometimes that's how we want it to be, and sometimes that's maybe even how we might present the gospel message. But I would suggest to you that the gospel is deeper than that, that it's not just some checklist of things that we just need to be like, okay, yep, got those things. I'm good to go. I've got eternal life. I don't think that's really how it works, and I think that's why Jesus responds the way that he does. He starts off, and now I guess we'll kind of instead of going in completely reverse order, we'll go back up to the very beginning of what, um, how he addresses Jesus. He addresses Jesus with this phrase, good teacher. Then he asks that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when you look at verse 19, the answer that Jesus gives is, you know the commandments, and then he lists these commandments. Now, one thing I would challenge you to do and would be kind of maybe a fun little exercise to do, um, perhaps I'm giving you maybe too much homework after this video, but... Yes, you can read this whole passage from verses 17 all the way down to verse 31. Another thing that would be great for you to do is look at verse 19. Jesus says, you know the commandments, and he lists several things. He lists don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, uh, don't, have, don't give false testimony, don't defraud, and then honor your father and your mother. So he gives six commands right here, okay? So if you're trying to compare that with the Ten Commandments, it's an interesting list to kind of Compare those two. See what's missing. See what's included here that uh, you know you might not necessarily expect. And why would Jesus kind of state those things compared to something else? Now you can go back and you can compare those lists of the Ten Commandments with the list that you find like in Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5. So you know once again if you have maybe a pen and paper or something or or I guess and this is great that we can go back and and re-listen to a little section of this video. But if you need to listen to that again, the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20 and then also Deuteronomy chapter 5. So in those two passages, we get that list of the Ten Commandments. And you'll find out that they don't exactly match up with what Jesus says. So Jesus isn't just telling him, oh, we'll follow the Ten Commandments and you'll be good. That's actually not what he's saying, even though it oftentimes seems like that. And we might even say, well, that's pretty much what he's telling him to do is follow the Ten Commandments. Well, I think there's more to it. I don't think that's all of what Jesus is saying. In fact, I don't really think that's what Jesus is getting at at all. So one of the reasons why I think that's the case is if you look at verse 18. Now, um, I'll give you a little bit of a heads up because I almost have to in order to continue on and stating this right here. When you compare this list of what Jesus says in verse 19 with the Ten Commandments, you will find out that he completely overlooks anything that deals with God. Now, you've probably heard it and, you know, you've probably even maybe heard me preach it before that the ten, the ten Commandments are great because you see this this general outline of it. Um, the first few or the first half, give or take a little bit, we won't get into specifics, but the first half deal with our relationship with God. The second half deal with our relationship with humans. So I guess if you kind of want to see it in, in some way, uh, our relationships with God and our relationships with man kind of makes a little bit of a cross however you want to to work at, at how that uh, makes sense to you um you know so, so be it but what jesus does right here is he's only talking about those that we deal with our fellow man he doesn't ever talk about this this man's relationship with god does he 
or does he? See, verse 18, I believe is what Jesus is trying to get this guy to realize. That this is where he's he's messed up something. He's missed something. Because he approaches Jesus, says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question, we might say. Verse 18, Jesus spins this right back in his face. And I think we sometimes miss this completely. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now that's very interesting because even as I've been talking about it, you know, I would say this guy, he's a pretty good guy. I would say most of you listening to this video, I, I probably know quite a few of you who are going to be listening to this video anyways. And I'd say, you know, yeah, you're good people. And I can tell other people that you are good people. But yet, whenever Jesus is approached with this term, good teacher, he says, why do you call me good? And he makes a statement, no one is good except God alone. Now, we know what Jesus is saying here, that, that truly no one is completely good, of course, you know, because you and I, we have sinned. Because of that, we aren't good. So I think what we have here is that Jesus is approaching those commands that deal with our relationship with God. That's why he's saying that no one is good except God alone. He's trying to get this, this guy to recognize that you know this is part of what it means to inherit eternal life too, is to get our priorities straight and, and how are we viewing God? And another thing, if you so choose to kind of see this, and I think it's kind of within here at least, Jesus is actually accepting this phrase that, you know, even this man recognizing there's something different about Jesus because Jesus most certainly could accept that title good because he is good. You know, he is God. He can accept those things. So why is he being called good? Well, Jesus is God. So he can accept that title. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's throwing this kind of right back at this, this rich young ruler, so to speak, because he's getting him to see that he's already recognizing something different about Jesus. That thing that is different about Jesus is Jesus is God. Jesus is good. And that kind of changes our thinking. And really, whenever we come to the point to whenever we recognize that no one is completely good except God alone, I think that does start to change our ideas of, well, what do we need to do in order to inherit eternal life? That's why Jesus is directly addressing these things with this rich young ruler. So this rich young ruler, he seems to be doing pretty good at following these commands, right? Well, Jesus continues. Verses 21 through 23. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's fa face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is a pretty amazing part of the story, isn't it? And I think that perhaps what Jesus is saying is not necessarily what he's trying to teach this man. Let me explain what I mean by that. One of the things that Jesus approached with him is, he says, one thing you lack. What is the one thing that this man is lacking? This rich young ruler is lacking. Well, he tells him how to fix it. He tells him what to do. He tells him to sell everything that he has and give it to the poor. Now, is that necessary? Now, Jesus says to this man that this is what he needs to do. But is that really what Jesus is saying? You know, I'm not completely convinced that Jesus is saying to this man that he has to do this in order to be right with God. 
I think what Jesus is doing is he's saying these things to get this guy to realize how serious this is. And he's really saying these things to get this guy to realize, okay, where is he laying up his treasure? And I think that's where we need to, to ask this of ourselves. You know, I do not believe that Jesus requires everybody to sell everything that they have and give it all to the poor. The reason why I would say that is because if you read throughout the, well, what the early church did and what Jesus continues to do with other people, he doesn't require that upon everybody else. So I don't think it's something that he is saying, everybody has got to sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, I mean, that, that is very good. And if you have people who are doing that, um, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't believe it's something that we must all do in order to be right with God. However, the last part of this is very important. He says, and you will have treasure in heaven. See, this rich young ruler, I think what he had was he had treasures on earth, not treasures in heaven. And this is why Jesus tells him something so extreme. In fact, sometimes, a lot of times Jesus does this. He states things that are like overstatements of things or really extreme statements in order to get people's attention. He's trying to get this guy to look at, where is your treasure? And I think that's a question we must ask ourselves. Where is our own treasure? Is it on earth? Is it in things on the earth? Or is it in heaven? In the realm that you know we can't really see, but we know that it's it's a godly realm. And and the realm in which you know we will receive uh, these these great treasures uh, back. But Jesus right here, he says that if you do these things, you'll have treasure in heaven. But then he says, then come follow me. That's the one thing that this man was lacking, according to what Jesus said. And the response of this man, he recognizes he has great wealth. That's what he says in verse 22. And then we see this teaching opportunity that Jesus, he looks around at his disciples and he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Hmm. What do you think that means about us today? How rich are you? You know, many times we don't necessarily consider ourselves a rich person. But when you start to look at, you know, anybody who's here in America, which I think most people watching this video are going to be in America, but anybody in America has so many great blessings. And in many ways, we are rich. Even the poorest among us, we are so rich. We need to heed this warning. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this was important during Jesus' day. And it's important during our day. Let's see how the discussion continues after this point. Verses 24 through 27. The disciples were amazed, were amazed at his words. What words were that? The words that he just said on how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is what's so important to understand. This is what that man was lacking. He was lacking the true focus about these heavenly things, about things of the kingdom. He was storing up his riches on earth, not his riches in heaven. Please, let's avoid doing that ourselves. You know, it's all well and good if we have riches here on this earth, but they're not going to mean a whole lot in the life that is to come. 
whenever we're going to be able to inherit eternal life, these riches right here aren't going to do us one bit of good, really. Not in the age that is to come, not in the life that is to come. We see right here, Jesus is saying once again how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Now that can be taken very negatively. In fact, that's what they seem to take it, right? It is kind of negative in some ways. But it's also so important to understand. And that's why they ask the question, well, who can be saved then? Okay, if you're talking about how hard it is to enter this, this kingdom, who can be saved? That's why Jesus says in verse 27, it's impossible if you're trying to do it on your own. It's impossible. But it's not impossible for God. I guess in a way of looking at it is it's, it's only possible with God because all things are possible with God. See, that changes our perspective. That, I think, is directly related to what this rich young ruler was lacking. He was lacking the focus of upward, of heavenly, of the concept of, of God and of godly things. You see, if we're only focused on, well, what do I need to do right here, right now? This some checklist of things that I can definitely just see and, and be able to, to determine here in this life. And if we're trying to make sure that we can earn our salvation, then we need to pay attention to what Jesus says in verse 27, that it's impossible to do that. It's impossible for us to be saved. It's not impossible, however, for God to save us. All things are possible with God. God loves us. He has a plan for us. And that plan included sending Jesus to us. And Jesus came and he tried to redirect our focus. And with some people, it, it worked. And some people, they didn't get it. Let's make sure that we have ears to hear. Let's have eyes to see what the Spirit is doing in our midst. What Jesus did in our midst. All things are possible with God. There's just a few more verses here that I think we need to, to heed though as well. And, and we need to, to make sure that we recognize Verses 28 through 31. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. It's a bold statement that Jesus makes. Sorry, it's a bold statement that Peter makes. It's also bold to what Jesus makes too. But Peter, he speaks up and he says, we left everything to follow you. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they pretty much did leave everything. But Jesus is redirecting their focus again. And he says, yes, you, you left everything and you're following me and that's good. But he says, you're getting back all of these benefits. And he's speaking of if you give up all of these physical things in this life, you're going to gain all of these physical things, even in this own life. Because this is what it means to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of what God is doing. He says that in verse 30. He also gives the warning that, yes, you will receive all of these great physical blessings, but there is persecutions that will come. But, of course, there is this hope. There's this promise that in the age to come, we can receive eternal life. So this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered it quite beautifully. But it's actually very difficult whenever we, we try to think about this. You know, we need to recognize that this is possible only with God. Only if we submit to God and follow him. Yes, following commandments, it's part of it. That's why Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Yeah, you know the commandments. If you don't know them, read them. 
Okay, read what God commands. Read what Jesus commands. But also recognize if you're just trying to follow those commands on your own, it's not going to produce salvation. It's impossible. That's what Jesus said already. That with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Let's trust in God. Let's follow God and allow him to save us. Allow him to give us eternal life. He's promised these things if we will follow him. Let's do that. Let's follow him. Let's learn from this example of the rich young ruler. And let's make sure that we store up our treasures in heaven. And that is where our true treasure lies. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. With Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. Giving God, giving God the praise, and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit, and I'll be born again. Born in the blood of them, and I'll be born. Yes, born again, obeying Christ alone.